Ag State of Mind, episode 153. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, as always, Jason Meadows. And today we are going and talking to my friend, John Soxie. John and I actually first hooked up with uh, the Kansas Beef Council back in uh, earlier this summer in June. I was invited to speak at one of their events, and John was working at that time with the Kansas Beef Council, and uh, we got to know each other there. And then, you know, since then, John has moved on from the Kansas Beef Council and is kind of going back to his family seed stock operation and is starting a uh, mindset coaching business of his own. So uh, he reached out, wanted to be on the podcast. And as all of you know, as I talk about, that's one of the best things that can happen is somebody reaching out to be on the podcast. So uh, John, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. How are you? Jason, I'm doing great. So, so good to reconnect with you and, and visit. Thank you so much for for having me on. And first of all, before we get started, just want to thank you for for what you do. It's such a, a crucial topic and it needs to be talked about more, you know, our, our mental state, our kind of our, our well-being. And this is, I'm looking forward to the conversation because it's pretty unique, uh, especially to have two, two guys talking about kind of their mental state and well-being. And that's, that just doesn't typically happen in, in the ag world and honestly in general. So I, I want to thank you for what you do and kind of what you're bringing to the table and your unique perspective as well. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, and I never got the chance to thank you for the Kansas beef care package you sent my way, as you tell, you can see on the you notes bet. here, I'm, they're my everyday, they're my scratch mm-hmm. pad till they're, till they run out. And, you know, you gave me a, an apron that I use when I grill now too, which I've never had one of those. And my wife appreciates that not uh, ruining any of my clothes when I'm uh, grilling. And uh, you know, the, the dog chewed up the, um, the spatula you sent too, but he only chewed up the part where it said Kansas. So I was okay. We, with we it, knew you so. were from, from Missouri. <laughs> so we had to give you something from Kansas. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a pleasure to, to have you on and you, you added a lot of uniqueness to the event and it was uh, very much appreciated. So, yeah, that was a really fun event. Um, the guy you guys had, the uh, meat science guy from Idaho, he was a treat, man. That guy was, he was, Dr. he was Bass great. Is, is passionate for sure. That's passionate is an yeah. understatement. For sure. I learned a lot that day. I learned, I really did. Like I just, just getting to go there and hear him speak. It was just, it was just so cool to just witness him. And I learned so much, you know, as ranchers, we're, I feel like sometimes we do ourselves a disservice and not learn more about 
meet science. So I thought that was a really, uh, it was a really cool thing for me to sit and really reach, uh, listen to. Well, and, so. and all of that. And in addition, as, as he was talking, you know, and, and we could kind of go this direction too, if you want, but I was sitting there just seeing how passionate he was and you can just, I'm a man of, of faith. And I know you are too, Jason, but you could just tell when, when God has somebody, when you're right where God wants you to be, you can just tell that in whatever profession, ag or not, he, he is doing what he is called. And it's, it's very evident. And that was, I mean, as he was talking, the content was great, but I was just, you know, kind of like, wow, this guy is right where he needs to be. So. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about you a little bit. Talk about your journey and uh, kind of uh, what brought you to where you are today. Yeah. Well, so I, I grew up in, uh, in agriculture, didn't have a, really a ton of, of interest in wanting to, to come back to, to the operation, but kind of through high school FFA stuff that I did through college. And then uh, right after I graduated from Kansas State, I had the opportunity to work for a, a U.S. senator on on his ag team so I kind of got a, a different perspective within ag and kind of along the lines post college graduation I I was really having the the urge to to get back to ag and uh, about five years ago my my wife and I moved back to our operation and and she is not uh, initially from agriculture she's from Wichita Kansas so City girl had no no ag, uh, very little ag experience and, and knowledge. Had been on a couple farms, but very little exposure until she met me. And we moved back to the farm, and it was just a very rough, uh, about as rough of a, a kind of first month or two that you could have. We were expecting our our first uh, child at the time. Uh, Emerson, he's he's four years old now, but we were expecting him. We moved back in December. It was brutally cold, and um, in the seed stock operation, we typically try to start calving mid January. And so we're, I mean, they call it spring calving. It's it's winter calving for sure. And right, we had some right. some bad snowstorms, some ice, and and just really crummy weather come through. So we were navigating being back in mean, my grandparents. Uh, old house, still fairly young in our marriage, a, a child on the way, and then calving and, and the calves, we just started kind of losing them one by one and bring, bringing them in the house. And, uh, you know, that it's hard for somebody to, to be calloused enough to, to make it through that, if, even if you've been in agriculture, but especially with my wife not having that, that prior kind of exposure it was a very rough first six months. And I, I knew, you know, if, if that was where God was calling us to be, I needed to kind of find those outlets. And so uh, I've been huge into personal development and kind of have had a very servant mindset, uh, servant minded mindset with anything that I do. So I try to challenge myself daily, kind of get out of my comfort zone in order that I can maybe help better serve others and um, and we can chat more about it but physical fitness uh, especially running for me a little bit of lifting but certainly running and I know you're a runner too Jason that that has been a huge just working on my mindset 
and running has been huge for me and I've wanted to kind of offer that and, and help others because I know all of us in ag face those moments of losing calves and it's totally out of your control or you know you have a hay fire um, something catches fire on the operation uh, whatever it is and and I'm a, a big proponent if if you can work on your mindset and not necessarily callous it but if you can overcome maybe smaller challenges regularly even daily that's just going to set you up to be able to kind of better handle the the stresses that that take place daily and i think that that was a big misconception i think i had is the you know if i do all the right things if i work on work hard enough if i live good enough that everything is in turn going to be easy right you know i think that was kind of a fairy tale perception i had but you know you find out really quick that that's not the case like you're going to be faced with hard decisions and hard situations no matter what no matter how good you are doing with whatever it is i mean good you know hard situations wrecks are going to come your way and you know so that's i think that when i realized that that you know like bad things can still happen to good people regardless that's where i really dove in and really started to work on being better myself you know so I, that's that's where it was and i th- probably sound similar to you and you did it because you had to basically i mean you know being a a first-time father and a young husband these are all things i can obviously relate to because it wasn't that long ago i was in that same boat you know you learn a lot about yourself and what you need to work on pretty quick in that situation and things kind of manifest themselves and, you know? and I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I'm somebody that that looks for you know you obviously don't want bad things to happen but kind of on the, the flip side and this is where having a different mindset comes in but I'm a huge proponent of Ed Milet uh, as mm-hmm. life happens for you not to you so how how can you flip whatever negative situation that you're going through and I I just obviously didn't want any of that negative stuff to happen but I think we we learn so much more we grow so much more through through the challenges you know a diamond is is made from extreme heat essentially and and iron sharpens iron and there was things that I I learned I learned how to communicate better with my wife after that you know, kind of very rough six months, first six months of being home. And I'm thankful for that. And I, I'm far from perfect, Jason. So I'm, I don't have that fully figured out, but I'm, I'm a better communicator. And I thought of, you know, the management of the cattle operation. I thought of things a little bit differently after that. And we, we could adjust some things. And uh, so there, you know, if you can get to the point where you can kind of flip the negativity that's going on, and find the positives because there's always there's always a positive to negative things going on and that's way easier said than done but i'm a, a huge proponent of that yeah because you have to be right and i think we as folks involved in agriculture i think you, know, you have to be an optimist to a certain extent you have to find good things in bad situations or else i mean you would never want to do it you would never want to get to the next season next crop next 
calving season, whatever, you know. I mean, the hint of better times and, and having good outlook, even when it sucks, and I think that's I think that's kind of ingrained into into agriculture. Um, so uh, really building upon that foundation and because it's really easy to get down and get negative, especially things the way they've been in the last few years. It's really easy to get down on things, but I mean to see you know the see the the good things that are happening whenever they're you know we call them I we like to call them tender mercies, mm-hmm. things that. You know, when things are bad, things are going tough, you find these little hints of hope and, and, and try to build on those. And that makes the that makes the hard times bearable. And kind of to that point, I mean, I think sometimes we go through things to teach us and then it's our we then we have the opportunity to maybe help somebody else, our neighbor or whoever that might be going right. through it. So do the hard things, get through them and learn from them and, and offer that as a service to kind of help others along the way as well. So, so tell me about your, what's your wife's name? Kinsley. Kinsley. Tell me about Kinsley, how her reaction and I mean, obviously if you're comfortable, what her outlook was after that first six months because it's shocking and I can relate to it because I I have a wife Carrie grew up outside of agriculture as well and it's it's totally it's it, it's a culture shock yeah the the first and it it's not like it just you know totally got better at, at six months but right we, right we had only been married a year and a half I believe and I think with a lot of marriages, I've, I've heard the first five or six is already, you know, you're figuring out communication. It can be rough, but we were in a very kind of dark spot. And I mean, mm-hmm. there was questions on, you know, did we make the wrong decision? And, and I, I wanted for so long to get back to the farm and then within a couple months to have everything kind of what we felt like at the time unraveling everything out of our control. She had, she had a lot of uh, doubts for sure, but because of that, we, we were able to grow our communication and, and our faith kind of putting God even more at the center of our marriage because of that. But we were both in kind of a, a dark spot and we just had no idea what tomorrow looked like. But then again, I mean, you kind of learn to take one day at a time and that helped get us through kind of that, that really rough season. What was her like? Cause I have this with Carrie. What was her like moment where she realized that wow, life is different here than it was when she grew up? That's great. Or not great. That's interesting. You would ask that because I was just sitting here kind of thinking of that and it was probably we we've got a kind of a a side room if you will that's the laundry room that that leads to outside and I remember my my grandpa farmed and ranched full-time when when I was younger and um, you know he was always in and out of that door it was the mud room and laundry room anyway we we're kind of starting to get to the point where we wanted to renovate that kind of part of the house. And we were having to bring in sick calves with scours and it was 
weeks. I mean, I don't remember what the, the temperature and all that was, but we had a calf in particular that scoured just all over the ground. And yeah, sorry, this is on the podcast, Jason, but you know, it was the laundry room had carpet. Not sure why it was ever carpet. Oh gosh. We just had this sick calf that was just struggling to, to make it. And it just, I think kind of hit her in the face that, wow, this is never, never in a million years did she think uh, I'm going to have a sick calf in my house, but let alone one that is having some issues. And, and it ended up, and similar to me, she's very, she loves animals. And, you know, we, we put our, just like any rancher, put our blood, sweat and tears into our, our livestock. And, you know, she kind of grew, I think, kind of a connection to that animal. And then after it died, after a, a day or two or whatever it was, you know, that's just a hard pill to, to swallow. And you've never, if you've, if you've had a hundred calves lost or yeah, one, yeah. it doesn't ever get any easier. And in, in my opinion, but that was her, her first one. And it just, it's hard to, to say. And if anybody listening to the podcast doesn't know what calf scours smells like it's it is it is the most like it's the one of the most recognizable pungent smells that you'll ever you'll ever come across and if you haven't smelled it i i actually envy you a little bit because it's it's disgusting and i'm glad you i i was just gonna say i i wasn't sure how much to explain on that but uh i'm glad i'm glad you did because it i mean single story house and I mean, oh, I can, can, yeah, you could smell I it all in whatever room you went in, you could smell it. Yeah. I mean, I can smell it outside on a calf that's 50 yards away, you know? So like having it inside a house and in a carpeted room. Oh my gosh. You had to, did you have to tear that carpet out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for, yeah. A lot of, yeah. A lot of deep cleaning too. Yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> well, mine, obviously it's not, mine's a little more comical than yours. So, uh, you know, probably not surprisingly enough involves bovine feces as well. We were here, actually, I, I lived, started living here before Carrie and I got married and we were out at our lot and we were on a four wheeler and, you know, we'd went through, you know, some, some, some cow pies and she uh, flung up onto one of her shoes. She had like a, I don't know what kind of shoe it was, but it was not a, it was a long ways from a muck boot. And uh, I just, she's like, oh my gosh, you got all over my shoe. And I just took her shoe and I just wiped it on my pants and <laughs> gave it back to her. <laughs> and that's when we, we weren't even married yet. We were just, we'd been dating just a couple of weeks at that point. And uh, she, uh, like, if she stayed around after that, you know, she was meant to be here. So uh, I was just going to ask if you had ever, uh, had her tag calves because I thought it was a great idea. Her first time ever to the, uh, to the farm when we were dating, we were uh, tagging calves and she got, got kicked by the cow in the process. And I oh, thought, what, geez. if she got kicked by the cow, and it left a huge bruise too. But if she came back after that, I knew there was uh, something different about her and she did. So, so she didn't, but I do have a story that is kind of comical. That's a little similar. So, Whenever Levi, our oldest, was turned eight, he couldn't show a steer at the fair, but he could show hogs. These ho- and it was show- I'd never showed hogs when I was a kid. I only showed steers. 
it was an it was an awful idea because there were nothing but problems and they got out one day and got out and by out i mean they were a half a mile from the barn i mean they were in brush and we were we got them trapped in this just like blackberry briars and she grabbed one of them by the front ears and you know a hog they were probably about a hundred pounds at this point. And she grabbed that and she held that, that, that hog by the ears while it's screaming, while it's pulling back all of its weight. And she held it the whole time. I mean, she probably didn't weigh much. She probably doesn't weigh much more than that hog did at that time. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. So it was, it was pretty hilarious. Well, the first sight, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but it's just, I think it's very interesting whenever you grow up because I think you and I, it's very similar in the fact that I, obviously I grew up in it, but I also had no intentions really of making it part of my life after, after I left home, but then I left it and got super, you know, super interested in it as I, I think it was because I had quit playing sports and stuff and like I obviously didn't enjoy college in St. Louis. So I uh, wanted a connection back to home. And that was, I just really got involved in it while I was in college coming back on the weekends. And then, you know, then to marry someone who was not involved in it at all either. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty unique path that, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, and I talked to, uh, I talked very first episode, I talked to Val Farmer. Uh, very, we were just talking about, it's been three years since this podcast started. And the first episode I talked to Val Farmer and uh, we talked about how so many farm and ranch families are combining two different farm and ranch families, right? You know, you go to like a state ag school and you meet there meet your wife there and you come home and you know you both have your own paradigms that you kind of have to be you kind of have to like you almost have to compromise but when you marry someone outside of agriculture I find once they like once they like get it and start to like get in the flow with things they bring something that is just totally valuable and unique because they have this outside perspective and just like the genuine curiosity to ask why we do a certain thing. And I just wonder if there's, that was, there's anything with that, with, with you guys. Oh, yep, for sure. And I, as you were talking, it reminds me of, you know, she is so much better of a advocate, if you will, than, than I am. Not that I'm bad, but you grow up and you, you develop this certain level of, of uh, knowledge or, you know, knowledge set. And, and sometimes it's hard to know how much to bring down the knowledge. Um, when you're visiting with somebody, maybe from Kansas city, St. Louis, mm-hmm. you know, Lincoln, where, wherever it might be, you're New York or San Francisco, but especially having worked for the beef council, a lot of what I did, I did producer communications and I would, work with our uh, kind of beef producers in, in our community and work on some advocacy stuff occasionally with with that group and we have a lot of them were better than me but I in my work would do that and my wife is so much better at it than I am and I was doing that for work because she she brings the curiosity she 
just ties the stories that she's already experienced to it just so much better. And she just gets how they think. I think that's a lot of it. She just understands maybe their thought process and where, where they're, they're coming from. And she's done way more for advocacy with her friends in, in Wichita, for instance, than, than I have. And she does so much better at it. So she's a way better, way better at communication than I am for sure. You know, and that's really valuable too. I mean, um, no matter on what scale she does it to, she changes perspectives probably on something, um, you know, cause you, like you say, she goes to her friends in Wichita and she's a conduit to them and, you know so my wife is a yoga teacher and she went to yoga teacher training in st louis and i think it's pretty pretty well documented that a lot of yoga people are also vegan i mean it's just that a lot of times they kind of go hand in hand and there were several of the girls in her class that when she was going to the teacher training that were vegan as well and she was like she answered a lot of questions for them and she, you know, and I'm not sure if any of them like, Oh, then I think I'll just switch to eating meat then because of it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that happened necessarily, but she, they still, you know, they gave, they gave, she gave them a connection, you know, and that's really cool that, that piece, somebody who was not born in it at all. And really, and, and Carrie, I mean, don't get me wrong. She's very involved, but a lot of times more indirectly, just, um, you know, just kind of being, she, she doesn't make a lot of quote unquote decisions about farm because it's not her deal, but, but still it doesn't mean she's any less valuable because she like, like your wife is a connection to so many people who wouldn't be connected otherwise. And Jason, I don't know. I, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I, I don't know if you have this too, but yeah, our, our wives might not necessarily be making the decisions, but at least with my wife. And it might be similar with yours, but a lot of times she'll ask questions on something management related from a different perspective. And it kind of challenges me to think, you know, why are we doing X, Y, and Z this way? So it, I kind of have a preconceived thought of maybe things should be this way, but then she's asking from a curiosity standpoint, well, why do we do it that way? And it's, you know, and then you question, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing it that way. So it's made me a better manager, honestly. For sure, because you've had like, you have somebody to make yourself accountable to. I mean, who better than to be accountable to than, you know, someone who's going to be directly affected by the decisions you make. I mean, I just, it's made, it's made all the difference in the world. I'm, and I'll, I'll say it's made my life actually it was hard at first to make changes, but the changes we've made have made things so much easier because the, the focus has shifted, right? The focus has shifted away from serving the farm, serving the operation to, to the operation serving us, you know? And I think that's a big, that's a big problem. A lot of people have is like, they think they should be slaves to it and they think they should be, um, you know, drop it. And don't get me wrong. There are times where it has to become a priority, but there's also times where, you know, you need to focus on it serving you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to that point, we sell uh, some bulls seed stock via private treaty 
a few heifers uh, here and there as well via private treaty. And Mm -hmm. you kind of have to get to the point where my wife, Kinsley, has helped me get to the point in our operation as a whole of not just let's just sell the cattle, but we're to the point where we think of things different and, you know, kind of our philosophy now with the help of my wife is that we're in the people business. We just happen to be selling cattle. Yep. And so we're, we go the extra, extra effort to get to know the bull customer and we don't want to just sell them a bull, but we want to essentially fit what we have to offer with their potential needs. And and sometimes it's not a fit and we don't want to force something on them. That's not a fit for their herd goals, but it takes getting to know what that operation looks like to see if there is a fit. And, and honestly, I, I love the people aspect of it more than, than the cattle aspect yeah. of my wife helped me get to that point. Yeah. So I don't know if you listen to the working cows podcast or not, you do it's you know it's it's been so like important in the development of my podcast and clay the host has been we call him a few of my other podcasters and myself call him the pod father because he has been so so influential in doing things the way the the way we've done things with our podcast and uh, he talk kind of talks about that to be, and he was talking about it in reference to a direct to consumer beef operation. But I think seed sock is actually very similar in the fact that you focus on a, like a certain one person customer where me from like a cow calf perspective, that's maybe not so much the case, but you know, you're, you're focusing on one specific person. And he said that to really be really successful in the direct to consumer meat business, you have to love the selling and love the people part of it more than you do actually raising the beef. And I think that's probably pretty similar to way you're doing is you have to enjoy the relationship that you form with the other, with the person on the other end of the transaction. You know, it's a, it's a relationship and hopefully a relationship that is ongoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just feel like uh, God calls all of us to service, and that looks totally different for each individual, each family, each operation. But, um, you know, at the end of life, if you can help somebody else, uh, if you can help their operation be a little bit better because of the, the work that you put into raising the cattle, you match that bull or heifer cow whatever to that operation and they could achieve their goals a little bit better um i think that's what it's all about right helping them along the way right yeah so let's let's just shift here just a little bit and kind of talk about talk about mindset and talk about like what that is what that means to you i mean i feel like that's a word that we hear a lot um and but sometimes i think it it's not one that's really just like totally understood. So I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to see like how you view, and I know this is a really broad question, but like how you view mindset and how, um, how you challenge yourself. Like, you know, you talked a little bit about challenging and like, what are your, what are your favorite ways to kind of challenge yourself? Yes. Yeah, so it, thanks for asking. Great question. I, mindset is a, very large kind of broad topic, but, and, 
and you can boil it down to different angles, but kind of the one that I've been working through the past several months at least is working on a, a couple different things. One is uh, visualization. Mm. So kind of reverse engineering what you want your day to look like. In the military, I, I'm an officer in the Army National Guard and and the military is, as a whole, when you have a mission or an objective, you essentially work back from the problem. So you need to attack objective X at this time. So you know that's kind of the goal, the end point, and you establish the small incremental steps to get you there and kind of work back. And so tying that to visualization, I've, I've essentially used mindset and visualization as a tool to kind of help me achieve and, and craft what I want the day to look like. So night before or early in the morning, a lot of times I'll just sit and kind of think about what's the goal for the day? What do I want to accomplish? And that's going to feed into the broader, the bigger goal of what you want to accomplish in the week. But you craft out what you want the day to look like and kind of visualize what success for the day or an event, whatever it is, looks like. And and I'm a huge proponent of your your mind doesn't know what's reality and what you just imagine. So right. if you can yep. to an area where you've already established what the, what success feels like, looks like, uh, for instance, I'm in some officer training right now in, in Fort Lee, Virginia. And last week we had a uh, 12 mile ruck early in the morning, four in the morning with 45 pounds on our back. And I mean, I don't know how many times throughout that ruck I wanted to just quit. I mean, it's just a, not always a fun experience to, to do that. And especially with humidity and it was just brutal. But every time that I either went uphill or, you know, thought about wanting to quit, I would just close my eyes and think of visualize literally the finish line and who would be standing there and what it was going to physically feel like to take my ruck off, unclip it, take my, my helmet off, um, my, my vest. And just, I could feel every time I wanted to quit on the ruck, I could just feel the weight coming off my shoulders. And that pushed me just a little bit further. So visualization is crucial and huge to just anything business and, and personal life. Um, another component that I, I think through when I think of mindset is, is establishing, establishing routines, whether it's a, a morning routine and a lot of times morning routines tend to start the night before. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of things that a lot of times people don't think through that. Uh, you know, if you've got a morning routine, you want to, probably eventually find ways to, uh, you know, you'll find excuses along the way. Yes. So time that you can maybe mitigate those, those excuses, whether it's starting the coffee pot the night before putting light, physically laying out your, your clothes, if you're going to go for a early morning run, actually laying out your clothes and your shoes next to your bed. That way, when you get up, you don't have that excuse of, well, I've got to walk across the room to go get my clothes. You don't have Sometimes I'll sleep in them. Like I, I yeah. for real, like I'll absolutely, if I know it's going to be like, I'll just sleep in them. <laughs> yep. I, I 
hear you on that. And, and just being consistent with those routines that, you know, and millennials a lot of times want, uh, and not just millennials, but it seems like the culture today is everybody wants things right now mm -hmm. or overnight, but consistency, that slow grind that nobody sees behind the scenes, those small morning routines or the things that you're doing the night before can really, really kind of set you apart and, and help get you where you want to go. And those are the things that aren't glamorous, but it takes putting the clothes out the night before or getting X, Y, and Z ready. And nobody sees that when you start to succeed with your farm, your ranch, your business, whatever it is, but it's those small things done kind of consistently that, that continue to grow. Yeah. And, and, and then lastly, physical fitness, I, I just, I try to challenge myself physically and there's always endless things physically that you can do on the farmer ranch. Those are great. I, in addition, I, I love to, to run. I lift weights as well, but I'm training for a, my first marathon just got done last, uh, this last Saturday with my third half marathon. Oh, wow. So just setting a kind of a goal, uh, out in the future, three months from now, six months yeah. and doing those small things to kind of, uh, incrementally get you there to, to achieve what you want to. And fitness and Jason, I know you like running, so, so chime in too, but there's just something about running that helps clear your mind. It adds clarity, especially on, on long runs. I'm getting to the point where my runs for the week are 17, 18, right. 19 miles. And there's a lot of boredom that comes with that, but you can, you just gain so much clarity about what you want in life, what you want your day to look like, what you want your week to look like. And there's just so much, if you can challenge yourself physically, I think it, it ties back to the mental piece that, you know, if you're, if you're overcoming those physical challenges, you can overcome anything throughout the day, no matter what it is, business or, you know, you lost your dog, that kind of thing. I mean, you, if you can overcome physical challenges, it kind of not in a sense calluses your mind, but it can, it can help you overcome. But sure strengthens it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, it just, when you can overcome certain obstacles, challenges, no matter, no matter what, I mean, it makes you like, it really makes you, helps you realize that, you know, what else is possible, you know? And, and again, it like, it makes the, it makes the hard things maybe just a little bit easier to bear, you know, knowing that you can get through it and you can apply that just kind of across the board, like you said. Yeah. And I mean, you, and you know this, but after a, a good workout session, whether you're lifting or, or running, I mean, that high you get, I mean, you, you feel like you can take on the world and it, it really does. I, I had it in my half marathon last Saturday was not the greatest idea to do a 12 mile ruck uh, two days before and then do a half marathon uh, two days later. But you know, when you can, when you can push past what you physically or mentally thought was possible and you can get past that, that's actually where the, that's where the growth happens is on the other side of the pain, if you will. Yeah, for sure. And, and to me, 
Well, you talked about like, you know, visualizing taking off that rucksack and all the good things that how you feel after it. That's kind of the way I feel. I work out not necessarily because, I mean, there are times I actually do enjoy the workout, but I actually work out for the feeling I get after the workout's over. You know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of almost like a kind of a negative feedback loop, but, uh, but, but I think you can understand. I mean, I don't, and that's another thing that like the, the, the thing of the, the feeling of doing it and, and overcoming the hard things and the feeling after it's over, I mean, that has to be stronger than the regret that you would have for not doing it. That's always kind of the way that I've viewed it because I will, I'll not do it and I'll feel, you know, kind of crappy because of it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, whenever you whenever you can get it done it's just man it just feels so good and ed my and and david goggins who is a former navy seal they i I both heard them talk about they i don't know if it's more or less they're scared to see what it would be like but they essentially don't want to get to the end of life they get to you know they've died they're at the gates you know in heaven and god shows them what their life could have been they want who they were and who they were supposed to be to be you know the same person or as close to it as possible and that that drives them to kind of push past what they what they thought or what they wanted to do honestly and and i kind of have a little bit of that that mindset as well yeah, no, I understand. I love that analogy. That's one of my that's one of my strongest things that I I go to is you know, uh, you know, God introducing you to the person you were supposed to be and them being the person you actually are. That that is that's a very big motivator. You know, something I strive to be. I don't know if it was in a a podcast that you had or a post that you had on on social media, but there was something about you, and this resonate resonates with me, but you get just as much or more mental benefit from running or exercise than you do physically. I mean, it's obviously physically helping you and building you up stronger, but I think as we get older, it's almost doing more for you mentally than it is. Oh yeah. And it is. I mean, like I said, it's less about like the actual training now at this point in my life than it, than it is about just the clarity that comes from Mm -hmm. it. Like, um, and it's not, you know, and it's not just working out. It's not just running. It's actually just doing some things that I enjoy too. Like, and I think that's really important for people to understand is, you know, you can, you can get kind of the same benefit, like mentally by just escape, not escaping. Cause I don't, I don't think you want to have a life you need to escape from. So I don't want to use that term, but like being able to put everything aside for a little bit and going out it for me, I, I, you know, we, I, I love to, I love to work with horses, you know, and that's something that I'm able to kind of put the rest of the world on hold for a minute. And, you know, if I do have something that's bothering me, my dad always said this too, that one of his favorite things to do when he had all this stuff on his mind was to go get a horse out of a stall, brush it, you know, just be around it. And then he'd go back, he'd put it back and he would be so much, have so much more clarity. And, you know, I'm not saying that 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 same but I, I do think everybody probably has something like that in their life that they can point to that there's just something that brings them clarity 
I totally agree with that, Jason. Because there's so much noise, right? There's so much noise in the world. Like there's like it's, you know, entropy increases, right? It's just, it's constantly, there's just constant chaos being thrown our way. And, you know, whenever we can kind of back away from that and kind of bring a little bit of order to our lives, um, it makes the chaos a little bit easier to handle. Yep. And being, uh, there's a, a certain amount of being out there alone by yourself on a long run that, that there's just something about it brings so much clarity and you're, you're on your own time and you're by yourself and it's, uh, I love it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're kind of closing here on time. I appreciate you, man, coming on and talking to me and offering yourself to be on the podcast. Like I said, I mean, that, that never like that never gets old for me for somebody to do that. Like that's my favorite thing for people to do is to just say, Hey, I got this. I want to talk about it on the podcast. I mean, it makes my job easy, right? For what I do. So yeah. I appreciate that. Well, it, it was uh, it was easy because I I loved the work that that you were doing ahead of our event when we uh, hosted you in Kansas in the over the summer. And as soon as I met you, I thought I, I need to stay connected with that guy because he's doing some some great work. So I'm, hopefully we um, we offered a little bit of value to your your listeners. But and and I just want to encourage kind of as a wrap, I want to encourage beef farmers, ranchers, you know, whether you're a young producer, older just know that you're you're not alone in what you're doing my wife and i have have felt that especially early and early on when we were back at the the farm it you almost kind of feel like you're you're off by yourself it's not like college where you've got friends around you might not live anywhere close to anybody else especially in in very very rural parts of missouri kansas wherever it is but just know that you're not alone and and it's important to to plug into a community, whether it's a fitness community, religious community with your faith, whatever it might be, community with your kids, but just know you don't have to do it alone. And, right. uh, and producers are a, a tight net group yep. of uh, individuals. Yeah, 100%. Now, that's, that's a great way to part there. That's, uh, you know, because it's so important to rec for people to recognize that they're not alone. Where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you? Yeah, they can um, find me on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. Um, you, they can search uh, on Instagram uh, at Coach John Soxie. Uh, so a couple different ways. Okay, I'll link all that so people can find an easy sure. way to reach out to you. So, John, I appreciate it, man. Good luck, and uh, let's do this again sometime. You know, I always say the the second time, and and you know, I don't know if I've had anybody on a third time yet or not, but the second time is always even funner because you know you get all the other stuff out of the way and you can talk about them. You know, really hone in on a certain topic. So we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll stay in contact and we'll do this again. I appreciate you. I, I would uh, welcome that opportunity. But again, Jason, thank you for, for what you're doing. It's, I don't think you realize how important it is. I'm sure you do, but um, you're doing some great stuff and uh, God's leading you in the right direction. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks, sir. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. 
And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.